Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. If you've got a, uh, a handout in front of you, go ahead and grab that. We're going to get to that in just a second. You'll notice at the top that uh, today we are starting back, <laughs> back to the future. That's awesome. Um, systematic Theology, Part 7 of 7. So we are in the last major doctrine, the doctrine of the future. Uh, we'll look at the return of Christ today um, and then a couple other end-time oriented events. I am very excited about this section. This is the, um, the section of the seven major doctrines that we have studied. This is the one that I know uh, dramatically the least about. So from a personal knowledge development understanding process, this is uh, kind of exciting for me. Uh, I have... We'll get to that in just a second. All right, so let's do your first blank. So systematic theology, it sounds kind of scary. It's not really scary. Uh, but it very simply answers the question, what does the whole Bible teach us today? What does the whole Bible teach us today? Typically, the way that I talk about systematic theology uh, is with Legos. And um, what I've done, and you guys that have been in the class for several years, you know that I get a couple tables of Legos, of Lego sets, uh, and we look at the different ways that you can look at all of those different Lego sets. And if you've got a couple tables of Lego sets, you can walk up and you can examine one, which is how we typically study the Bible. We typically pick up a passage of Scripture, we look at that passage of Scripture, we examine it, we put it down. We walk to another passage of Scripture, we look at it, we examine it, we put it down. But what we don't typically do is stand at the end of the table and look all the way down across the entire Scripture the length and the span of Scripture to see where all the red pieces are and where all the blue pieces are and where all the white pieces are and where all of these different components and what does the whole Bible say about a specific topic. And that's what systematic theology does. It is not a typical let's go camp out in Romans like what we are going to do in 2017 and I'm still very excited about that. Um, it is almost the opposite of that. It is what does the whole Bible... So you get a lot of jumping around uh, but you also get a larger perspective. So systematic just means carefully organized. Theology just means a study of religious truths. So where have we been? Uh, we've been a lot of different places. We've looked at uh, the doctrine of the Word of God. We did this in 2014. We did the doctrine of God. Uh, last year we did the doctrine of man and then the Christ and the Holy Spirit. Earlier this year we did the application of redemption. This is Grudem's fancy term for uh, salvation. Doctrine of the church. And then we have finally made it to the future. That's a good joke, guys. Come on now. I've been waiting like three years to say that. So you got to give me a break here. So we're at the doctrine of the future. Uh, and this very simply defined are, are things that are uh, beyond where we are right now. Now, uh, as kind of an introductory comment, I, I just want to 
I want to make sure that we have the right spirit as we approach this. Um, I have heard a lot of teaching on end times in my life. Uh, I grew up in a Baptist church. We kind of get consumed with these things sometimes. And in, in my mind, uh, Harvey Pinnock has the greatest quote on this of anybody. Now, I don't know if anybody knows Harvey Pinnock. Harvey Pinnock's little red book. Any golfers in the room? Harvey Pinnock's little red book. This is, like, if you want to learn how to play golf, this is the book that you read. It's, a, it's very, very short, very simple truths about golf. Uh, and, and I constantly, when I, I took a golf course when I was in college. <laughs> is this a great place or what, you know? <laughs> And I was constantly getting calluses on my hands. And my professor said, uh, who didn't know anything more about golf than I did, he just liked to play golf, so we created a golf course, and it was awesome. And um, he said, Harvey Pinnock has a, has a paragraph in his book about calluses and how you can take care of that. I was like, oh, okay, great. And it was basically, I was holding the club too tightly. If you hold the club too tightly, when you make contact with the ball, the club will turn just a little bit, and, and you'll get calluses. And if you hold the, tub, the club too loosely, the club will turn a lot. And, and what he said here is that you have to hold the club as if you're holding a live bird in your hands. Tight enough that it's not going to get away, but not so tight that you strangle it. And this is what I would hope that our attitude and our spirit is as we walk into the doctrine of the future. There are things that we can know for sure because the scripture is very, very clear. There are a lot of things that we need to hold a little loosely and not be just, I'm going to strangle this to death because I know that I know that I know that I, some preacher told me 19 years ago that this is true. Well, it might turn out that way, but it, it might not. So let's, let's be just a little more gentle as we, um, as we go through that. So, uh, so that's kind of my, my mindset, my approach. And one of the things that I think that is beautiful about the way uh, Wayne Grudem, Dr. Grudem, has gone through this entire series is that, to me, has been his spirit of going through and teaching these series. I, I will strongly, and again, I'll encourage you to do this as often as I can, uh, to go and to listen to him actually teach these Sunday school lessons. He has a, or had, he doesn't teach anymore. Uh, he was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. And he's probably got about three, three and a half years by his doctor's estimation of good writing and study and teaching left before his body deteriorates to the point where he's not able to do that. And one of the things that he wants to get done between now and that time is a revision of the systematic theology textbook. Which I was like, so somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you've probably got three, three and a half years. My first thought is not, let's go revise the textbook. But he knows that's where his long-lasting impact in the kingdom is, and I thought it was pretty cool. So, uh, so let's jump right into week one of part seven. So let's talk about eschatology. No, I didn't put this word on the screen. I want you to learn how to spell it. I think it's actually three words later in the blank. But uh, the study of future events is often called eschatology. E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y. This is Sunday school with an emphasis on the school part. We want to learn these things. So the study of eschatology then is the study of last things. The study of last things. So a couple, couple ground rules here. If you are uh, an unbeliever, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, the scripture says that there are several things that you don't have. You don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You don't have the guiding hand of God. There's, there's just certain things that are not present in your life. If you are a believer, you have certain things. And the scripture speaks to believers and unbelievers in different ways. And one of the things that we have confidence in is that the Bible is true. The Bible is right. The Bible is the word of God. 
Would we agree? Thumbs up on this? Yes? Good? Okay. Because of that, we can have confidence about things that we haven't personally experienced. Now, what we have studied in the past, you could call personal eschatology. You could call what is going to happen to me personally when I die. We've, we've talked about some of that with our study of the salvation. General eschatology is what is going to happen to the whole world as we move forward in time. So we're, we're kind of getting the focus off of the individual and having a larger lens and a larger view of things. So that's, that's where we're headed as we go forward. So a couple of things that... Um, that we should be very, very aligned on. And if you notice on your handout, there's a lot of highlights. We're going to read a lot of Scripture today because Scripture is very, very clear about a lot of things. And then we're going to spend a few minutes at the end of class trying to reconcile Scripture really is clear about this and Scripture is really clear about this. How do we reconcile those two concepts? So the first big point is point A. Uh, There will be a sudden, personal, visible, and bodily return of Christ. So Jesus is coming back. This is our hope, right? And when we put our hope in anything else, guess what happens? We get disappointed, right? Because there is no other peg that we can hang our hat on and say, this is where my confidence lies. Jesus is coming back. So uh, I need one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten hands to go up right now. All right, Miss Darla, you got Matthew 24, 44, uh, John 14, 3, Acts 1, 11, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. You got Hebrews 9, 28. You got James 5, 8, 2 Peter 3, 10, 1 John 3, 2, Revelation 1, 7. I'm about to get dizzy here. Okay, Revelation 22, 20. And we're going to go quick through these. You ready? I'm not going to stop and comment. We're just going to listen to the text. Because I think you're going to pick up on a theme here. Maybe. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. Absolutely. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself. uh, That where I am, uh, you may be also. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So also, Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly awaiting for him. Awesome. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. <laughs> but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Beloved, now we are as children of God, and it's not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears... We will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they that pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth shall mourn over him. Even so, amen. So, amen. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Is there a theme here? 
Jesus is coming back, and we don't know when. And this is good. This is very, very good. There will be a sudden, personal, visible, bodily return of Christ. So point B, we should eagerly long for Christ's return. We should eagerly long for Christ's return. So I need one, two, three, four more hands. Actually, you're going to stay right there. Can we just stay written in Revelation 22:20? Okay, you got it? Titus 2, 12 through 13, Miss Darla. Philippians 3, 20. I got Chris. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. I got Dave. Awesome. Let's do it. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. We can't hardly read that enough, can we? I mean, y'all have no idea how much I want to talk about this right now, but all right. Let's go, Miss Darla. It teaches us to say no. I'm going to talk about it. I don't care where you put your hope. There is nothing as confident as the return of my Lord. He is coming back, and I cannot wait. Oh, my goodness. Come, Lord Jesus, and fix this. Whichever way, whichever way, if there's like 97 different ways you could have gone this week. Come, Lord Jesus. That is my heartbeat this morning. So, all right, Titus 2.12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions Mm. and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in that verse. And there's a lot in that verse. All right, Philippians 3.20, who's got it? But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly our citizenship is where? i got to camp heaven. here. In heaven. Can we please hold the stuff here on earth very gently? It's literally, you read the verse just a minute ago. It's going to burn up with fervent heat. Like the elements are going to go away. Like, and we, like the side of the mountain right now. Yeah, right? <laughs> Worse than that. I mean, Sean, where's Sean? There you are. He's got ash falling in his yard this morning, right? The universe is going to burn up. Please let us be careful where we place our hope. We are citizens where? Y'all going to see me get full-on Pentecostal this morning. All right. I love this stuff. This is great, right? All right, keep going. I'm sorry. (laughs) And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Where's our... Mm, all right. 1 Corinthians 16, 22. I forget where I gave it. 1 Corinthians... There we go. Thanks, Dave. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. That's right. Our Lord, come. That's right. This is what's going to happen. The Scripture is incredibly, incredibly clear about this. Now, Grudem asks a really good question in his book. He says, so Jesus is coming back and we don't know when. So how does this impact the way in which we live? Should we then say, whoop, I don't know when it's going to happen, so I'm not going to do anything long term because, because he could come back and you know, maybe that's going to interrupt that. So, so maybe I shouldn't go to school because you know, he could come back before I finish my degree. And you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do my homework, Mom, because you know, Jesus could come back and I just won't get to turn it in. That'll be wasted effort, right? And the, the reality is that kind of a logic you would literally starve to death. Because why would you cook your next meal? Because Jesus could come back before you could finish it. Why would you chew any food? Because he could come back before you could swallow it, and then it would be... I mean, this logic makes no sense for us to actually have a life on earth that is living in expectation of his return. So we 
We can take certain things and go way too far with them and come to conclusions that don't make a lot of sense for how we need to live on earth. So let's be careful about that. So point C, uh, we do not know when Christ will return. And this is a good thing. All right, so Matthew 24, 44. This is a really awkward position. I don't want to stay here the whole time. That better? Anybody, you got any idea? I don't know. Okay. Matthew 24, 44. I got Matthew 25, 13. Awesome. Thank you. Mark 13, 32 and 33. Miss Carrie, you got that? Luke 12, 40. Sean, you got that one? Did you bring your Bible today? Yeah. Luke 12, 40. Awesome. Cool. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think you will. This is, this is one of those things that I love about the way Grudem does his outlines. He like just lifts the text of Scripture, and that's part of his outline. right? You're pretty safe when you do that, so it's pretty good stuff. All right, Matthew 25, 13. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. But, but I read something on the Internet <clears throat> that said there were 88 reasons he's coming back in 1988. Anybody remember this? It's Facebook official. It's Fisher, right? Abraham Lincoln said it on Facebook, and that is it, right? No, we do not know the day or the hour. And, and, and when he says we don't know the day or the hour, that doesn't mean we know the season or the month or the year. Or, I mean, it means we don't know. So when you hear somebody stand up and say, I know, <clears throat> right? That's just not the way this works. All right, Mark 13, 32, and 33. Is that you, Miss Carrie? Awesome. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, <clears throat> nor the Son, but only the Father, the on guard, and keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. I've often wondered if I could be bold enough to say that's the best kept secret in the universe. Like, the, the whole Trinity doesn't know the answer to that. Right? I mean, that's, that's pretty tightly held. <laughs> I mean... Like, good gracious, the whole Trinity doesn't know the answer to this question. This is, and I'm going to stand up and say, oh, I know. Can you explain that? No, I cannot explain this. I'm, that's where my head was going. I was like, I please step. Nobody raise their hand and say, ask me to explain that. Good gracious. I don't understand how they can, I mean, if this study has done anything for your Sunday school teacher, it has helped me realize that what I know is, is like less than, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. All right, Luke 12, 40. I have no idea who I assigned this to. I'm just having fun this morning. Sean, that was you, wasn't it? Okay. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Yeah, so we got Matthew saying it twice. We got Mark saying it. We got Luke saying it. <clears throat> and John preached it. Uh, we, do, we do not know. We really, really, really do not know. Now, the challenge comes in point E because there is disagreement over the details of future events. Would you agree? Yeah, just a little bit, right? Okay. So there's all kinds of stuff. Um, there's all kinds of stuff that people disagree on, and, and I would just I would just encourage us, right? Live bird, live bird. Let's just be let's be gentle. Let's live the fruits of the spirit as we discuss these things. Um, so Grudem asks an interesting question, and he asks the question: Could Christ come back at any time? <clears throat> Could Christ come back at any time? So look at point number one underneath F there in your notes. 
says there are a lot of verses predicting a sudden and unexpected coming of Christ. Have we just talked about the sudden and unexpected return of Christ? Like we do not know. Okay, great. And look at point number two. Signs that precede Christ's return. So there's all kinds of verses that say we don't know when. And there's quite a few verses that imply there's stuff that has to happen before he comes back. So, how do you reconcile these two? Right? How do you reconcile these two? So let's, I think the, the blank is on the, the back side, on the front side of your handout. Yeah, let's go back to the front side of your handout. <clears throat> Sometimes I need a legal piece of paper for the handout, and I'm just not going to do that to you. So it, it ends up in you flipping back and forth. So I've got a question in your notes. Were Jesus and the New Testament authors wrong in their expectation that he would return soon? That's your blank. No. <laughs> None of the texts that we have read said soon means X number of days or weeks or months or years. Or Soon means soon to God. So how long is that? Well, I don't know. We just got done talking about the fact that we don't know. The Father knows. And He's not telling anybody. So... If you want a prayer that won't be answered, Lord, tell me when your son will return. Nope, he ain't answering that prayer. If he's not going to tell his son, he's not telling you. <laughs> and he's not telling, sure, not telling me. I mean, I, why, don't pray that. That's a, I guess you can have dumb prayers. I don't care. I'm talking about Jesus coming back. I'm not worried about this. <laughs> Let's, this is way... Look, y'all need to understand. I reconcile the fact that I am not cool and I'm never going to be cool when I was in high school and I went to a math contest in the 10th grade. Uh, like, I checked the box way long time ago, right? I, I, I'm not worried about that. Uh-oh. Now, you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was brutal. <laughs> this is my bride. <laughs> Woo. Live bird, Julie. Live bird. Hold it light. <laughs> oh, me. All right, I have no idea where I was now. <laughs> That's great. Um, 42. Oh, 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 I thought you said 42. I was like, yes, we're ready. Good deal. Um, anybody get that? Nobody got that, did they? The answer to life, the universe, and everything. Thank you. Good. All right. You said 42. That's when I, my brain went. Okay. So did they, uh, were the New Testament authors wrong in their expectation that he would return soon? No, they were not wrong. Jesus is coming back. He is coming soon. Uh, and we don't know what soon means. Now, what I, what I am not going to have time to do this morning is I'm not going to have time to go through all of those different signs. Because um, Daryl will be angry at me if I let you out at uh, 1230 today. This is a lot of information. So I will encourage you to head to the website at the bottom of the page, Sunday School, uh, Sunday School. There's a lot of good stuff here. But Grudem gives two different views for reconciling the fact that stuff has to happen before Jesus comes back and Jesus could come back at any time. Right? So we understand that, that that can be difficult to reconcile. So here's your two different views. So one solution is to say, this view one, that Christ could not come at any time. Right? 
So that's one solution. You say that we have somehow misinterpreted those Bible passages. That it feels like that's not right. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna impose my perspective here. I, I just don't feel like that's what the scripture is teaching. Uh, the signs are given, here's your next blank, so that when we see them, they will intensify our expectation of Christ's return. So let's look at Luke 21, 28, and Mark 13, 5 through 6, and verse 21. So who's got the Luke 21 text? Luke 21, Sean, awesome. And then Mark 13. Mark 13, yes. All right, Miss Carrie, got it? Sean, you got it? Okay. When these things begin to take place, stand up, and lift up your head because your redemption is drawing near. Right. So this is a, hey, 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 hey. Something's about to happen, right? This is intensifying what's about to occur. So Mark 13, 5 and 6, and then verse 21. And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. Because when Jesus shows up, when the real Jesus shows up, <laughs> there's not going to be any doubt. right? There was doubt the first time that he showed up because he showed up wrapped in flesh <clears throat> in a very small way. right? We're about to have the Christmas season. It's one of the smallest, most valuable, pre the most valuable present ever given. When he shows up the next time, <laughs> there won't be confusion about this, right? These little bitty false Christs that are running around on the earth right now saying, I'm Jesus, I'm Jesus. No, 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 no. That's not how my Jesus is coming back. He's not coming back uh, small and weak. And no, 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 no. Everything changes when he comes back. Um, and these signs are given to intensify our expectation of Christ's return. So that's view number one, that, that he could not come at any time. View number two is to say that Christ indeed could come at any time. Now, if you say that he can come at any time, you now have to reconcile these two points, that he could come at any time and there's stuff that's got to happen. So reconciliation view one, uh, and I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. This is what is taught here at Stuart Heights is that the New Testament talks about two distinct returns of Christ or two second comings of Christ. So there's a secret second coming. We would call this the rapture. And then a, the, the quote-unquote real second coming, which is the Jesus comes back and um, all sorts of cool things start to happen at that point. So that's view one. Uh, reconciliation view two is that all of these signs have already been fulfilled and therefore Christ could return at any moment. And the real problem with that is that some of those signs are really, really dramatic. Like one of them talks about the moon and the stars falling out of the sky. And, and it really doesn't feel like the moon and the stars have fallen out of the sky at this point, right? I mean, this is, there's some really, really big things that just doesn't look like have happened. Uh, so then you get to Reconciliation View 3, and this is Grudem's view. Uh, it is unlikely but possible that the signs have already been fulfilled. <clears throat> so as usual, Grudem's going to kind of split the middle because um, he's, a, he's a big fan of splitting the middle and he's kind of straddling the fence a little bit. Um, 
So there's a couple things here. So if you look at those signs, so the, the preaching of the gospel to all nations, uh, there's actually a couple of verses in Colossians where Paul seems to imply that he personally has preached the gospel to all nations. And some people could look at this and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe the gospel has been preached to all nations. And the, the challenge that we as modern believers would have is that we would say, are there parts of the world right now where the gospel has not been preached? Yeah. Like, we don't even know the languages and how to communicate with some folks. We can't preach the gospel to them. You can't speak the language. So it, it feels like that might have been fulfilled at one point in the past, but it certainly doesn't feel like it's been fulfilled uh, today. Uh, another one of the signs was the Great Tribulation. Uh, and uh, church historians would look back and say the, the, what the Romans did to the Jews between 66 and 70 A.D., that was awful. And centralized to that location on the planet Earth, that was pretty awful tribulation. And somebody could look at that from a very hypercentric local, local perspective and say, well, that, was, that could have been the great tribulation. Yeah, but it, it really feels like what's described in Revelation is a lot broader and a lot bigger and a lot more devastating than that. So mm, probably not, right? Uh, then you got false Christs and prophets. Are there false, price, false Christs and prophets among us? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, but there also were in Exodus and in Acts, right? Remember in Exodus when the sorcerers were able to do some of the things that Moses was able to do? These guys have been around a long, long time. I mean, Satan does not have dominion, ultimate dominion over anything. But he's got some power to do some pretty crazy stuff, which is why we don't live by sight, but we live by faith. This is a really important distinction here. What about the powerful signs in the heavens? This is what I was talking about a while ago. The, uh, this Matthew 24, 29 and 30, the... The, the sun and the moon and all these things. I mean, it's just, this doesn't feel like this has happened. Uh, the appearance of the man of lawlessness. Uh, this would be the Antichrist himself. There's a lot of different names for him in the New Testament. And there's a lot of folks that say, you know, the devil doesn't know when Jesus is coming back either. So the devil has to have kind of somebody ready. And you can look back in history and say, well, you know, Nero or Domitian could have filled this role or Hitler could have filled this role or Stalin could have filled this role or I mean, you've had all kinds of different leaders that could have been, had Jesus come back at that time, the person that would rise up and do these things. But did Jesus come back yet? So those weren't it, right? So the question is a neat question to ask, kind of a philosophical question. Does the devil have somebody ready right now? If I was the devil, I would, you know. I mean, I, <laughs> he's, he's been around a long time. He's a crafty old, you know, this is, maybe he does, right? And then, you know, you've got a really neat uh, uh, perspective, and we'll get to this probably in uh, probably July, August, probably August, September of 17, uh, when we get to Romans 9, 10, and 11 about the future salvation of Israel. I mean, that's one of the signs that Israel will be saved. Well, has anything in the last, I don't know, 50, 100 years happened that, that could help this along a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah, they became a state, right? That, that helps. <laughs> Well, so we see like things getting closer, but maybe not everything, which is why when you come up with a scenario like uh, uh, dispensationalism, which says you've got a rapture, which handles you can have the snatching away of the saints, but you also can have all these other signs being fulfilled, it's a neat little solution. And Grudem's only challenge with that is that the, that kind of concept came up in the 1840s. Nobody really believed that before the 1840s. So... <clears throat> It's kind of a new thing. So I, I, I wanna, what I want to do is I want to make sure that we're aware that the view that we have is not the only view, and this is not 
the gospel. Live bird. This is my focus this morning, is that I want to make sure that we are courteous, that we are kind, that we are gentle, that we are loving with other believers about these things where we are not 100,000% sure. I am 100,000% sure that repentance and faith are the conditions to the gospel. And, and I, will glad, I will take my sweatshirt off. I will tuck it in my jeans. I will do what I will, I'm going to teach that message. This, the Bible is true. And sometimes it is very confusing. <laughs> you read Revelation lately? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it kind of is, right? Um, so Grudem's conclusion is uh, this split the difference uh, model. So it looks kind of like this. So... You've got two returns. It's believed by... I put Stuart Heights here just so that we would understand this is kind of what our, our pastors teach. A, a whole big chunk of evangelical Christianity you could put here. Like a big massive... This is not just... I, after I did this slide and I uploaded it to the internet, I realized I just, somebody could interpret this as we have our own theology on this. And that's not like... What I really should rename this is a big chunk of Christians, parentheses, and Stuart Heights too. That's probably a better way to display it. Um, so there's a view that all of these things have been fulfilled, and, and there's just there's really very very few folks that would align to this. I mean, there are some, right? I mean, there's some folks that believe like the entire spectrum of beliefs, right? Um, and then possibly fulfilled Grudem, and and you know it's not just Grudem; it's quite a few others too. Um, so that's the possible views on uh, what is coming next. What I want to point you to this morning, though, is that homework. And the questions for personal application. I usually don't touch on these, but I want to look at these this morning. Because in your notes, I want you to think through the answers to some of these questions. So do you now eagerly long for Christ's return? This is a, this is a pulse on our spiritual health. Are we healthy or are we not? Now, the, the, only, the only thing that I think that would make uh, a loving, obedient Christian pause for this is... Yeah, but I've got family members that aren't believers, right? I, I get it. Guys, I completely get it. I completely and totally get it. But that passion and love for them does not supersede my love for my Lord's return. And that's a hard, hard two parallel paths to reconcile in my head. I, I struggle with this, but... Do I now eagerly long for Christ's return? And am I ready for Christ to return today? If I knew he's going to return in the next 24 hours, what would I go straighten out before he got back? And this is one of the things that drives us to live a right and holy life because we don't know. That drives us to stay right. Right? I mean, this, this makes sense? I, I, I fully recognize I've gone to preaching now. But this, this is important stuff. The gospel is woven all through theology. And it impacts these things. But I want to make sure that we have the right spirit and the right attitude uh, with this. So, one last uh, quick announcement. Next week, we start back with our memory verses. Now, we've got 15, 16, 17, 18, four verses for next week. You can pick any one or any combination of those to say in class next week. And there'll be uh, the books and the CDs and all the fun stuff back next week to start back with those. So... The beginning of the end has occurred. We have three more weeks in systematic theology, and I am thrilled about it. Uh, you don't want to miss the last week of this series.
I have something cool. So you don't want to miss. So next week, Jesus is not coming. No, I am. <laughs> thank you for saying that. <laughs> that would be awesome, right? Would it not be great that we close and we say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And we're, I mean, Amen. come on now. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But that is not what I am saying, right? <laughs> I am not saying that at all. I do not know the answers to these questions. Um, so, so two things real quick. So thank you so much for... Um, hanging in there with me as we have gone through this. This has been a long, I get that this has been a long study and we have gotten really deep and complex sometimes and I, I, am, I am in way over my head on some of this stuff. And if you'll notice the, the, your outline skipped some letters this week. That's because I didn't really understand that part. Um, so, so please understand I'm not up here saying I'm some kind of an excerpt. Uh, and two, we have an opportunity right now to help prepare for Jesus Christ's return in by, by praying for each other and by getting actively involved in each other's lives. And this is a good thing. This is why we physically gather and don't just do this over the Internet so that we can actually do what we're about to do. So take a second, lean in, look at those prayer requests, write down new prayer requests, pray as a table, and when you're done, you're dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys.